The Guardian. We're almost one full lap around the calendar since the start of the pandemic, and lots of us have finally hit the wall. Months of endless Zoom meetings, cajoling the children into doing their maths worksheets, queuing at the shops and worrying about health, finances, and when we'll see our friends next, has left many of us stressed and emotionally exhausted, and probably feeling like there isn't much more of it we can take. Last week, England was given a glimpse of hope. If all goes to plan, and that's a big if, all the restrictions should be lifted around the 21st of June. But is this enough, or has the lack of a truly definitive end to the pandemic left us all at the end of our tether? It's really just uh, that this has been going on for such a long time. By definition, chronic stress is what really kind of depletes us from our energies and our ability to cope with the situation. And the longer it goes, the more difficult it is for us to find the energy and the resources to cope with the situation. I'm Ian Sample. Welcome to Science Weekly. Hi, Carmine. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, I'm good. Thank you. I'm wondering when... Um people have a friend like you. you, you become the sort of focus for everybody's, everybody's questions on how to, how to survive, how to get through this. It's surprising how psychiatrists become uh, as vulnerable and as uh, needy of, uh, of uh, support as everybody else at this time of crisis. You might have recognised the voice you just heard. That's Carmen Pariente, Professor of Biological Psychiatry at King's College London, we spoke to Carmine in April last year about social isolation and so decided to call on his advice again about the next psychological challenge we're facing, pandemic burnout. Carmine, it's getting on for a year since we were all first locked down here in the UK and told to physically distance from one another. And uh, it's it's been a tougher year than I'm sure either of us were imagining when we first spoke. But especially now it feels like quite a lot of us are struggling a bit more with our mental well-being. Does that seem to be the case to you? And why might lots of people have sort of hit the wall, so to speak? As an academic, I was uh, looking at the evidence. And of course, there's always a time lag between the collection of data, the availability of the data and the studying of the data. We, we are now sure we can definitely measure um, a first peak of uh, mental health problems already in the first lockdown. So data from April, May of last year showed an increase in depression, an increase in anxiety, and an increase in distress. I think with more and more data coming out of uh, more recent uh, surveys, for example, uh, you can see that really the worst suffering is concentrating in groups that are at risk. I'm thinking about young people above all, you know, age 16 to 25, where all the service indicates uh, quite an increased prevalence of mental health difficulties, but also women, especially women with young children. And of course, uh, everybody who has been adversely affected by the pandemic in terms of loss of job, uh, financial difficulties, and so on. A lot of people have been talking about burnout, feeling burnt out, I'm wondering what exactly does that mean when people talk about that? It's a it's a kind of broad terms that describe uh, a feeling of being unable to cope or not having energy anymore to cope with the situation. And I think it's 
partly driven by the fact that we've been in this situation on and off for you know, almost one year. Um, there have been studies showing an increase, for example, in irritability and the fact that people tend to argue more, especially in relationship with COVID. So people tend to argue either because they want other people to comply better with the COVID regulation or themselves are not compliant and they may be criticized by other people. So just the fact that we are living in uh, an environment with stricter rules, it makes it very difficult for all of us to cope with it. And it's kind of creating worse and worse emotions about it. We know from all the studies that the longer stress lasts, the worse are the effects on mental health and in fact on physical health as well. So it's a general feeling of uh, really accumulative effect of worries, concerns, um, personal difficulties and, and real life changes that have occurred, especially, in, as I said, in people who have been suffering from practical consequences, health conditions or financial consequences. I was wondering what it was about the, the pandemic that might be, you know, driving this sort of particular reaction in people. And are you saying it's essentially chronic stress? It is essentially the chronic stress, which for the pandemic is really a multitude of factors. So we know that even by just being worried about something and social isolation per se, I mean, being socially isolated, so just being unable to have regular contact with our network of, uh, of people that we feel close to is a major stressor. And in fact, it's interesting that some studies are now showing that having online social contact, even if probably we, we all kind of fed up by now of, uh, of Zoom calls, but actually it shows that it's protective quality more than quantity. Lots of teleconferences for work may not be protective for mental health, but having direct contact with friends and relatives over the phone, over camera, during social isolation has been shown to be protective for mental health. And it's definitely something that people should continue and try to do more. And so part of the knock-on effect of lockdowns or the pandemic more broadly is that as well as the direct stresses that that involves is we we maybe don't have some of the um the releases or the more protective options open to us like socializing and all these other things which would normally be sort of helping us to moderate our stress levels absolutely and we know from a lot of studies that having proper face-to-face -face interaction is fundamental for mental health. Not only the deep, uh, warm interaction that you have with friends or relatives, but even the day-to-day -day interaction with people in the street, uh, the smile or the chat in a shop, all of this are all protective for mental health, and we're really missing out on that. Carmen, when we talk about hitting the wall, when people just think, you know what, I can't do this anymore, whatever it is, whether they're talking about work or homeschool or what have you, what is happening there? And what what is it that's pushing people to that point? You know, I think is is really just uh, that this has been going on for such a long time. By definition, chronic stress is what really kind of depletes us from our energies and our ability to cope with the situation. And the longer it goes, the more difficult it is for us to find the energy and the resources to cope with the situation. I think certainly more and more of us are hitting the wall because 
even those who felt more resilient and perhaps have some protective factors, they may be living in a, in a situation that is comfortable and they may have a good social network, yet it becomes just difficult to cope with the continuity of the restriction on our normal life and also on the inability to plan for the future. Of course, it's perfectly normal at time of crisis to feel that we are unable to cope. It doesn't mean it's a slippery slope from which there is no recovery. For a lot of us, it will be a moment of difficulties, but then we will be able to adapt to the new situation. Our mood will improve again. We will be able to use our friends and relatives and social network to find the energy to at least continue to be functional, even if it's not the best that we're used to. Kindness is really important toward ourselves and toward others and accept that simply this is not life as we used to have it. And we simply are not going to be able to work as hard as before or to be as, uh, as present as before. And it will be more difficult and accept that. You've talked about this interplay between stress and and burnout, but I'm interested in how it also is related to things like depression and anxiety, which are, are, are slightly different. What's what's going on there? We probably interpret burnout and anxiety and depression onto a scale of severity. So burnout is the initial phase where we feel unable to cope and we feel tired and and we don't have any energy, but yet our life still maintains a relatively good functionality, although at a real big cost. Once the situation progresses further, these symptoms then become more, what we say, clinically evident, which means they become more pervasive. They start having an impact on the daily life. So with anxiety, you may have a rumination and, and continuous worrying about, most of the time, things related to the pandemic that occupy the mental space uh, for hours and hours and make people unable to work or to relax. And there may be physical symptoms, you know, feeling breathless, feeling uh, the heart racing. And in this case, where additionally, of course, people may feel that could be related to the effect of COVID, even if perhaps are only driven in that specific circumstances by tension and anxiety. Some other people it then become even more severe and then people start to experience depressive symptoms, you know, pervasive sadness, pervasive lack of hope. And once these symptoms become pervasive, so chronic and, and have an effect on the daily life, then they become, if you like, clinically significant. And that's when people really need to seek help. There have been now quite a lot of studies looking at how our mental health has been impacted by the pandemic. It would be good to just grab some thoughts from you on what they are telling us broadly. Um, what's the sort of general idea of to how much COVID has affected our psychological well-being? Do we think that's all reversible and so on? Most of the scientific evidence is still limited to the first few months of lockdown. And even at that time, so April, May, uh, you could see an increase in measured mental health problems across the population. 30 to 40% of people experiencing higher distress or more anxiety symptoms or more depressive symptoms. There's two points that are important about this number. First of all, that it shows that a large number of people still are resilient. So 
even if there is a lockdown, 50-60% of people feel only mildly affected by the lockdown in terms of, of their mental health. So although there is an increase in the population, it still points out to the fact that overall the population is resilient, which is obviously is a good thing. Now, the second point, however, is that that 40% or 30-40% of people that were suffering more it's an average number that hides the fact that this proportion is much higher in groups that are particular risk. And if you look at young people, you know, 50-60% of young people uh, experience anxiety, experience symptoms of depression, you know, really worried about the future, they feel unable to cope. And there have been some interesting studies looking at, for example, a response to uh, events like uh, the announcement of the second lockdown uh, that shows how there has been a peak in uh, requests for help from young people. And of course, you know, we all uh, understand the problem related to missing out on the youth, if you like. So this certainly the young people are really at risk. Do you think we might see well-being start to improve now that we've had a roadmap published, you know, a route out of lockdown that, that people might see that as as light at the end of the tunnel. We know that people respond very well to the feeling of control. And although this is not yet having control in our hands, there is the beginning of a feeling of control. And I think just the evidence of kind of people going to the website and, and booking holidays. We are making initiative, we're taking controls and we are, you know, taking the small risk of, of projecting ourselves into the future, even if of course we are aware that things may change again. So I think there is, there will be a positive effect. I think we all feel a little bit more empowered and, and able to plan. And even just being able to plan will make us feel more in control and, and therefore feel a little bit better. Coming for those people who are listening who are feeling burnt out, would you have any advice for them? The things that we know are helpful for our mental health are even more important at this time of distress. So reach out to friends uh, and relatives and close people. Use the phone and the camera if that's the only things we have at the moment. We know that even if it's not ideal, it does work. Try to maintain time for hobbies or activity outside work and make sure you have a routine every day. You understand when work starts and when work finishes and that the weekend is different from the week, even if the walls around us may not change. It is important both to maintain a kind of healthy body but also to kind of help mind. And there is some data that not being constantly following the news helps. And uh, if possible, of course, uh, do relaxation or mindfulness or so more uh, psychologically focused activity. But even reading a book and uh, distracting ourselves with other creative means. And each of us can find the right combination of, of this activity. The last time we spoke, you were telling us about uh, your Kung Fu. And I wondered if that's still the sort of the light at the end of, of the tunnel for you, the thing you're really looking forward to getting back to, or, or if there's something else you're really hankering after once it's all allowed? Well, I've been very lucky that our club has managed to transfer all the classes online. You know, it is not the same, but we still meet online altogether. So there is a, an important element of, uh, of social connection among us students and, of course, the interaction with our teachers. And, we, you know, we do the exercise and we're learning. And, we're, and uh, you know, my Kung Fu has certainly improved in these months of lockdown. 
With all this kung fu you've been doing, Carmine, I've, I've, I've got to ask, have you ended up smashing anything in the house while you've been Zoom kung fuing or whatever? Yes. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, there, there are many new indentations on the walls due to me waving the stuff around with low ceiling. My wife is not particularly happy with that, but um, she's been kind. <laughs> what are you waving around? A stuff is, is one of the... Uh, weapons that we used to train is uh, just a long wood stuff, long enough to hit the wall and the ceiling and the floor. <laughs> well, look, it sounds like you're enjoying it and uh, and and great that you have such an understanding partner um, and I'm sure she sees the value of it, even, even if it means you've got a, a decorator's bill facing you in the next few months. Absolutely. Carmen, thank you so much. Uh, great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me with you. Thanks again to Carmine for joining me. Hopefully I won't be talking to him about the pandemic in another year. If you're feeling anxious or concerned, there are links on our programme page to some helpful resources. If you live in the UK or Ireland and need urgent support, the Samaritans can be contacted at 116123 or email joe, J-O, at We'll be back on Thursday with another episode. Until then, stay safe and look after yourselves. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.